This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hockey never stops here. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Spits and Suds. So glad to have you today. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, joined by my teammate Sean Shapiro, EP Ringside, Shap Shots. His book is called We Win Here, also D Magazine. It never stops for him as well. Mr. Shapiro, how are you today? It's, uh, I'm doing well. Good. It's, uh... It's it's mid July, the kind of in that uh, that spot on the calendar where we try to make a bigger deal about some things that aren't news versus that that are news at the same time. <laughs> the uh, like uh, I said something said this something about, about the other day. Like we've got right now in the NHL calendar, we've got like arbitration cases coming up, and uh, obviously arbitration cases are important and everything like that, but with how few actually make it to arbitration. And it, it's just like offer sheets for restricted free agents where it's real fun media fodder. And we definitely talk about them on podcasts and everything like that. But at the uh, end of the day, it's, it's off, off. It often is settled before it ever gets to a, an arbitration lawyer and everything like that. So it's that type of year. And uh, I don't know it's, it's middle of July, but at the same time, we've got, uh, we have, do we have an idea of sort of what teams will look like? Uh, some prospect things feel like they're kind of around the corner. Uh, I put it out there yesterday, two, a couple days ago, that we know the Stars will be in the uh, prospect tournament September 14th through 16th. We'll be, uh, we'll get to see, uh, we'll get to see that. And uh, so we know we, we we see some hockey on the calendar within the two months from now, right? So yeah, but it's uh, for for now it's. Uh, you enjoy the summer and you enjoy uh you try to find uh, some other things to watch on TV and catch up on some reading, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and for the yeah, catch up on We Win Here out at yes, Amazon exactly. <laughs> and wherever you else you can find it. So, uh you mentioned prospects tournament and for Stars fans, who can they expect to see in that tournament and who should they be looking for? Yeah, the big one that I'm most interested in and I'll be up there for that tournament and interested in watching it in person will be um it's going to be Logan Stankoven's first step into kind of the, uh, can he be an NHL impact player this year? Um, we saw, we've seen players, even players as high profile as Miro Heishkinen, where when the Miro's rookie season, he went up to Traverse city, played two games and you could see right there that this kid was going to be ready for the NHL. So I'm really interested to see Logan Stankoven in that tournament uh, against his peers from some other NHL organizations um, in a spot where he should be one of the best players on the ice because um, you don't win a job. You don't, you, you don't win an NHL job in Traverse city, but in Traverse city, you set the stage for whether you have any chance of winning a job. And I think 
Logan Stankoven, Maverick Bork, seeing the two of them in that in that uh, tournament, I'm interested to see how they use that as a springboard into training camp. It's really going to be a, a big building block and will tell us one way or the other of whether we should be looking at, uh, is it this year or is it next year for Logan Stankoven? I think we start, we'll start to learn all of that up there. And at the same time, it'll also be good to see against the 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 Blue Jackets will be there, Detroit will be there, and Toronto will be there. And to see them play against a team like Columbus, who will, I would assume, will have Adam Fantilli, the number three pick from this past draft up there, who could be, after Bedard, is obviously a pretty good Calder favorite. Be interested to see some guys like that up there. So, um, to me, it always feels like kind of the unofficial start to hockey season, and now we have dates for it. When do we expect Bischel back on skates? I believe he will. I don't know if he'll be ready for. I, I believe he will be ready for start of the season in Texas. I believe that. Um, now, the double check and see. I don't know if he'll be ready to play in Traverse City, but I do. Having talked to some people within the Stars and talked to about kind of the expect the expectation is for him to have more of a normal season lengthwise with the Texas Stars. Um, and uh, maybe that's true. I'd have to double check. I don't know the exact dates on that, but I, I do. But the good thing is they're not looking at the injury and they're not looking at the recovery, stopping him from having a quote unquote normal first North American season. And that would be the defenseman in the organization that most eyes would be looking at. Correct. hundred percent. He's yeah. the one who um, he's the one who you're kind of looking at like, you look at the depth on this organization, you look at where things are going. And if Liam Bixel, who was taken right like 18th in 2022, if he can be the uh if he can kind of be like a Thomas Harley and he can take that step, you're building all of your your future defensive depth internal house, and it's in a really it's a really good spot. Um the uh so I would uh He's really interesting to me because he's coming over from he's coming over from Europe. He's going to be an AHL guy this year. Some defensemen adjust quickly, some don't. Um, and he, uh, I think, he, I, if I'm doing my rough math, if the timeline is still on, if the time, I, I think we'll see him in Traverse City because I believe it was it was May like May seventh or eighth or whatever when he had the surgery. It was about eight weeks, so. That would put him into June, July. That would put him right now, kind of starting to ramp up a bit and everything. Um, so I think we'll see him on ice in the ice. If, if if as long as there's been no setbacks, I think we'll see Bixel playing in Traverse City. And for those that have never seen him play and are listening to this podcast, comparables. Not going to say he's going to be there, but think of mm-hmm. uh, former start. <clears throat> excuse me, Jamie Alexiak or Colton Pareko. Nice size. I liked when I watched the tape, Sean, I liked his skating ability. Uh, I, I like his stick handling, his, you know, uh, I thought he had a good shot as well. So uh, I'm excited. You know, I think there has been that theory, and we've seen it over the years with a Zdeno Chara, Tyler Myers, even a Jamie Alexiak. They do seem to take a little bit longer um, to develop. Um, but I, I'm excited because he's a bigger defenseman that, you know, has offensive ability as well. Yeah, and um, I look at him probably as when you when you mentioned a Pareko and an Alexiak, probably a little bit more Pareko like in 
um, where a little bit more violent for lack of a better word early <laughs> early on in his career like Alexiak like the amount of times where like Alexiak used his size but a lot of the times one of the biggest qualms with Jamie Alexiak early career Jamie Alexiak was he wasn't physical enough with his size right like yeah. he moved well and Correct. He, but, he did, but um Bixel is a little bit more he brings more he's a little bit more energy um a little bit more aggressive violent in the uh in, in the uh, kind of in his game initially, um, I had a I had someone once compare compare him to a like a uh, um, if he doesn't really if if and obviously part of it was I, I'm imagining I'm imagining part of it was kind of a um, a country type thing, but someone at a minimum kind of compared him to like an Oscar Clef bomb for me, where oh, it's okay, like, hey, yeah. this is which is like a, a guy who's a for who I think Clefbaum played like six or five, six or seven years for the Oilers was a good 30, 30 point guy, obviously know a little bit more defensively and everything like, like that. So uh, probably that's kind of the, the base and that's not a bad base. Obviously yeah. you want to see go, go higher than that and everything, but that was uh that was kind of a name somebody once threw out to me about him of like, this is, this is the, the, the minimum of what you can kind of expect him to be. Um, and, and that's not a bad, that's not a bad minimum. That's not a bad thing to add at all. And if he can be more than that, you're talking about a pretty good defensive long-term plan. So coming up on spits and suds, we'll have some mailbag questions that you guys tweeted us uh, in the off season. And we're excited to uh, give you some answers or the best answers we can. We're also going to talk about the question, who is the biggest Dallas stars rivalry? So that's coming up later in this podcast, but I did want to touch on two Central Division rival players that no longer have homes, which I find interesting because you saw the free agency frenzy happen in early July, and now the lull has occurred, and Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko are still without jobs. Sean, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, Kane is the... Kane is going to be, he's coming obviously off the, he's coming back from injury and he's going to be, and he's kind of waiting it out, right? That's kind of the, he, he had hip surgery. He's going to be about, about out four to six months. Um, I think he kind of has the ability to pick his spot and wait into the season too. I think Kane is, can be, this is a more of a slow pay for Patrick Kane his agent Pat Brisson has been pretty open about that, and uh, he's obviously. I, I think if you bring Patrick Kane in for the right reasons, I think it's a good add because um, I think he can obviously instantly come in, um, adds add a boost to a power play. Um, the hands. I mean, we saw with Jason Spezza, right? We saw the end of Jason Spezza's career where, well the body and physical things slow down. The hands never slow down. And so um, I think Kane will still bring skill wherever he goes, but I think whoever brings him in is going to be, there's only going to be success there with Kane. In my view, if you're bringing him in for the right reasons to help boost a power play, you've got some depth. You're not expecting him to completely drive lines at five on five and everything like that. Um, especially coming off that hip surgery. We've seen, obviously, Dallas fans have seen up close how long it takes for guys to come off that hip surgery. I mean, it felt like for a time, like almost every single guy in the Stars lineup had had 
hip, hip surgery and it takes a while. So um, I would proceed with caution on Patrick Kane for whatever team. Tarasenko is one where I'm actually surprised he's not signed yet. And obviously he changed his agent and um, it's similar to last summer when John Klingberg changed his agent. It's yeah. one of those where it feels like it's a guy who miscal or his agent at least miscalculated the market and now going for a reset um, with a new agent and everything. And we keep kind of hearing the rumblings that Carolina's in play for Tarasenko and everything like that. And um, honestly, if I'm Tarasenko at this point, I'm not afraid to go with the, I look at the short term, maybe one year deal similar to what we saw a lot of guys sign. Like we saw like a Max Domi sign with Toronto and things like that, because he's a guy who, because of his reputation and everything like that, and playing on a good team can probably put himself in a, with a one-year deal, bridge himself to a nicer deal next summer, potentially. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So during the week, Zach at ZWall93 tweeted out, extremely mid-July discussion, who is the Dallas Stars' primary rivalry? I think I have the correct answer, but I'm curious what people think. Now, Zach responds to Zach and says, the correct answer is Kale McCarr actually sucks and that the league would lose nothing of value if Colorado was erased from history. (laughs) So Zach is answering to Zach saying that Colorado. Now, Mm -hmm. chiming in was one Sean Shapiro who said, they don't have one. And yeah. Gavin Spittle 100% agrees. And here's why, folks. To have a rivalry, it has to be a rivalry on both sides. And while we can say Colorado, I don't view the Avalanche as looking at us as a rival. The closest in division, and I would say probably the closest rivalry, you would think for a couple of years when they played in the playoffs and they did a winter classic, Nashville would be up there. but. My finalist, due to the Dumba hit, due to the Stars moving to Dallas from Minnesota, I think probably in division Minnesota would be as close to a rivalry, but I am not ready to herald it a official rivalry, and I will say the Dallas Stars do not have a rivalry. Yeah, and obviously I, I agree with that, and I said that, and it's – for me, I think there's an important um, there's an, there's an important thing to think about when it comes to rivalries in hockey, and I think it's something that people don't like to hear. But it's okay for rivalries to die, right? It's okay. It's okay for there to be eras of rivalries and timelines of rivalries. Um, for 
for example, the, and I don't know, and Gavin, you would be able to, you'd be more of an expert on this than I would be, but for an extent, right. There was a Maple Leafs range, sorry, not Maple Leafs, Blue Jays Rangers rivalry in baseball. Yes, and obviously, correct. obviously the, the, the giant, the flashpoint of the, of, of the, of the punch that is, uh, the second most famous punch in franchise history <laughs> for, 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 for the Rangers yes, and, and, and all of that's and, and, but it's a rivalry, but to use that as a, that's an example of 10 years and it maybe even if it's, I mean, Odor is no longer a Ranger, Batista's career has fizzled out. Like where does to pretend that Maple Leafs Rangers with Maple Leafs, I keep saying Maple Leafs, Blue Jays, Blue Jays Rangers would still be a rivalry five years from now or even now. Right. Because of that, that instant is is unfair to what that rivalry was at its heat. Just like um, the obviously the greatest rivalry in, in hockey history is the 90s avalanche and Red Wings, the the, the the pure blood feud, a really great documentary that came out about that actually earlier this year, um, where those teams just to call Detroit, Colorado a rivalry now is a complete is completely unfair to what that rivalry was the heat. So like the stars, for example, um, in the old North star days, the Norris division was nicknamed nicknamed the Chuck Norris division, because that's how often it was be. You would have Chicago and Minnesota would play and there would be if there was less than four fights in a night, you were wondering what was wrong. That's that's how that division was. And that's how Chicago and Minnesota were when it was the North Stars, obviously. And then but that didn't really care over to carry over to Dallas. And while people have their stars fans who dislike the Blackhawks and everything like that, it's never been a Blackhawks stars rivalry. Neither of them were very good at the same time. Um, and the best I think the stars had was it was it was a space where there could have been one with St. Louis for a little bit, but the, I don't really think the stars were on top of the mind for the blues. And you bring up your brought up a great point off the top, Gavin, where it's gotta be amicable hate, mm-hmm. right? Or it's gotta be, it's gotta be, you got, you gotta care about both sides. And I think too many teams, and I don't know how many teams in the NHL even have a true legit rival anymore. Right. Um, I think there's a, like especially in the Western conference with how teams play, how with kind of some newer teams, how things have been moved around schedule wise and everything like that. Yep. Um, it's. And rivalries come and go too, by the way. Exactly. Yes. Yes. For like, like a perfect example. I mean, there is a, um, I think Dallas and Nat from a geographic, from a geographic standpoint, and style and just kind of culturally wise and everything nashville and dallas could be a good natural rival they played in the playoffs they had the winter classic um and even in even minnesota could feel like one at times but it's at the end of the day and i think this is the 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 better thing that obviously stars fans had to think about the wild in the playoffs this year but it's the uh like the stars, it's what's it's that old Don Draper clip where it's like the guy's in the elevator where he's like, he's like, he's, he's like, I've, he's like, where the stars need to be the fans to the wild fans is like, I don't ever think about you. You don't like, oh, like, absolutely. Like, like, so, yeah, I agree. Like, Sean, if I say Edmonton, you would say 
Well, Calgary, obviously. There you that's, go. That's that. But that one is a. That's yeah, yeah. you're right. You're right. That one stands out. But that is a standout rivalry. If mm-hmm. now, if we, if Craig Ludwig joined us, and I said, Craig, when you were playing in the Adams Division, you know Montreal, he'd probably say Boston, and then he'd say Quebec too, because mm-hmm. those were Montreal's two biggest rivalries. But if you look at Boston Montreal right now, I mean, is it a you know, a game that's cool to see, sure. But is it that heated rivalry? Nah. You know, I mean, it was Philadelphia-Pittsburgh at one time was pretty hot. So they they come and go. I just wonder, too, if regionalism, it can play a factor because, you know, of the proximity um, of the cities to each other, and that probably hurts Dallas, which if Houston came in, that would be a natural rival um, because the cities don't like each other anyway. Seattle, Vancouver, yeah. obviously, you know, when when those two get good, well, Vancouver gets good. Um, that'll be a good rivalry. And it's and there's uh it's just like we saw with I think one of the healthiest one of the best things for the league is hopefully Florida and Tampa continue to push each other because that's that's yeah. one of those where um I think we kind of had a little bit of a some of the animosity finally got there and everything like that. But all of a sudden the battle of Florida is a game that's worth watching just like the battle of Alberta, right? Yep. Like yep. that's something where it's, it's, it's to that point. Now it wasn't like that until at least it wasn't, I would argue that it really wasn't like that until the past season and a half or whatever, where the Panthers, where the Panthers won a president's trophy and then did this. And now obviously the light, like and now they're, they're both good and they both and we and they have a playoff series against each other and so now there's a bit more to that and i think it's okay for that it's okay for rivalries to take that that kind of give and take of it and i think the stars are kind of they don't really have one right now because i i, I in my mind there was kind of this smell test of it where i don't think there's a single team on this when the schedule comes out if you're a Dallas fan where you're like, Oh, I want to see when that team comes to town. Cause I want to see that team lose. I don't think there's a single team on this star for the stars like that, where if you're a, or Gavin, if you're like, obviously the history of with your, with your, your history and growing up in the Boston area, like mm-hmm. I'm sure when you, like you can imagine you, you would see the schedule and be like, man, when the Canadians come to town, yep. I, it was more about seeing the Canadians lose than seeing the Bruins win sometimes. Yep. Right. Oh, totally. And I, and there's no one on the star schedule. I mean, like you didn't that. get excited when Hartford came to town. No. <laughs> I mean, but that that to me yeah. is a good example where in Hartford, like for them, Boston was the big rivalry. But mm-hmm. to the Bruins, you know, I mean, because they were the little brother, Hartford's a little brother of, you know, Boston. So it's just, it's interesting. You know, I, I love rivalry talk. I really do. The only thing I'll say is, is that it takes two to tango. And you can't, you can say they're a rival, but I think the other side has to say they're a rival as well for a true rivalry to happen. All right, mailbag time, and we got some good ones, uh, which is awesome. You guys are awesome. We love the Spits and Suds faithful. Uh, Chris Barnard says, I saw a proposed scenario with Stars playing broker to a Eric Carlson trade from San Jose to Carolina with Dallas taking either how would I pronounce this, Sean? Is it Pesk? Pesky? Brett Pesci. 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 Sorry. 
or yeah. Burns in return. Yay or nay? Otherwise, what about Tony D'Angelo, who is devoid of D but solid offensively? Lastly, any updates of analytics team's first year? I will say this. We got two Tony D'Angelo questions, so we certainly have to hit on that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's go through these guys here. So I would be okay with Pesci. I think he would. Good player. If, if you, yeah, He's a good player. I think he would obviously improve the stars uh improve the stars defense and everything like that um for me i'm d'angelo and burns for me i'm not going down that line because i don't i I don't think either of them we've, we've talked about this stars defense needing to be to be to be better we don't like the depth and everything like that but we have also talked about you're trying you have the things you have are the offensive defensemen who need more opportunities the thomas harleys the nils lundquists we've talked on this show about not needing ryan suit about moving ryan Suter out i I, it won't happen but i talked about the potential buyout for the opportunity would open for those younger players to kind of seize that opportunity I don't think bringing in a one-dimensional offensive-only defenseman and like Tony D'Angelo, I don't think that does anything for the Stars. So I would not be in on Tony D'Angelo. And with Burns, for me, um, I don't. It's not that I don't think Brent Burns can run a power play better than most in the NHL. I don't think at this point in career it's worth bringing him in and taking away. Um, that opportunity a on the first unit from Mira Heishkinen or B from that unit of allowing um, Lundquist or Harley to kind of take this next step. I don't think, I think I would kind of proceed with caution on Burns. We saw what happened in San Jose when Burns and Carlson were on the same team. There's there's only one puck for the power play. They both need to be the guy. And I think we saw Mira Heishkinen started to be the guy in that spot. And I don't, that's not the type of defenseman that I I need. Now, Pesci's a different case because I think he comes in and I think he helps better in all three zones. And so I would be in on something like that if 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 it were even possible. But the other two I would not be. So Burns has two years left on his contract, he eight million dollars uh per year. Uh the obvious tie with Burns is that he loves nature and he has a massive ranch here in texas so he would be closer and, to that and, ranch and, and and pete DeBoer and joe pavelski yeah absolutely like he yeah. The, there's there's definitely some ties it's not that he wouldn't fit it's it's that i don't think that is the uh it's 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 not the chess piece you need to add it's it's a there's there's a different meanwhile while pesci to me is is a different actually helps with where you have issues burns yep. to me is a more of a luxury that you have to figure out to fit while Pesci would instantly come in and help some things. I agree. I agree. At Aaron Offsire says, thanks for the great stars coverage. I'm a stars fan in Montana. Shout out Billings. Nice. It's ludicrous, but there are three teams that are blacked out in my market, Vegas, Seattle, and Colorado with RSNs, which is regional sports network struggling with bankruptcy market share. Any guesses how long blackouts will be a thing. It's interesting that blackouts are actually a thing in Montana. Well, all of uh when so so when Seattle came into the league, 
um, when Seattle came into the league, the final piece of unclaimed territory um, was claimed in the United States, which was Alaska, uh, the Kraken are the team of Alaska. So to get a, it's root sports, right? Like you can only watch, uh, the Kraken games on route. And so before that you could watch any game on ESPN plus or whatever the streaming service was at the time, or NHL TV, depending on the timeline. Um, it's, uh, like for example, Gavin, the, uh, Hawaii is a shared territory of ducks and Kings. That's, the Hawaii is, is the is the LA TV market technically. So you have to have Fox Sports or sorry, Bally Sports Southwest or Bally Sports Prime ticket or whatever it is to watch the games in there. Um, but places like Montana, I can only imagine that's frustrating where you are you're grouped into multiple territories. Um yeah. the good news, and I wrote something about this closer to the cup final. And I'll make sure to tweet this uh, back to our back to our, our, our friend here who asked the question of I one thing that's encouraging for being in the Montana and he taught, mentioned Vegas. Um, Vegas is now um, working with with uh, is work it has worked to go have a free over the air within market. Um, game which anyone with basically rabbit ears can now go and get the game and everything like that and that's that's great and um but as far as blackouts go as long as as long as there's any money to be made from the regional sports network model and for right now there is as long as there's money to be made on it somewhere blackouts will exist because they protect those investments they protect the investments of Valley sports. They protect the teams when they're selling streaming rights uh, and, and regional viewing rights and everything like that. And uh, unless the NHL wants to go and do like the one sport that doesn't and the one North American sport that doesn't have blackouts for streaming and in market and everything like that is MLS right now. And that's because MLS went out of its way to two years ago to not allow teams to uh, sell beyond two years so that they could sell the entire package to Apple TV like they did. And uh, for example, I know in Detroit, the Tigers and Red Wings recently re-upped with Bally Sports. And as long as teams are continuously re-upping, the Panthers re-upped with Bally last year. Um, I know some teams are still looking for stuff right now. And like the Kings obviously don't have a TV deal yet for next year, but as long as teams have deals and teams have made money and basically as long as there's original six teams in the league, because Nesson is Nesson continues to be a cash cow for the league. Um, Philly is always the second is always one of the second most viewed local TV markets in the United States after Boston, that TV deals to continues to do money. As long as those exist, the league will protect those. So blackouts will happen. So unfortunately for Aaron and everyone else, it's blackouts are kind of a reality of the, of, of what the, of what the league will do to protect its interests. And um, hopefully there's a better answer and a way to, and, and to work with it in the future. But just right now, that's the reality of it. Okay. Junior hockey teams in Montana, Bozeman ice dogs, great falls, Americans. And uh, checking if the Butte Cobras are still around. That's a pull right there. Thank you very much. <laughs> they are in the North American Tier 3 Hockey League, the Butte 
cobras, sir. There you go. Yeah. No that's, kidding. I can't remember what I did yesterday, but I can remember the Butte Cobras. My goodness. <laughs> All right. Jordan Harper asks, our good friend up in uh, Vancouver. Sean, I absolutely love taking questions from across the country and across North America. It's super awesome. So awesome, uh, yeah. Jordan is a police officer in the Vancouver area. Any advice for someone to look at to travel to see a stars slash Cowboys game in the same weekend? Well, I got yeah. two weekends for you. Okay. The first actually isn't a weekend, but the Thanksgiving Cowboys game is special. You know, it, I, mm-hmm. it's, it's family, but there's just an extra cool vibe in the tailgating scene on that Thursday. People cooking turkeys in the parking lot or, you know, whatever, or just bringing their fixings to the game. You get the halftime show with a uh, pretty good artist every year. And, you know, it's nationally televised, and you know that you're at a game that all of America is watching. So you have that, and then the very next night, the Stars host the Calgary Flames, the new-look Calgary Flames. So uh, that's a good one-two combo. The other one is a doozy, but get your tickets now, my friend. So December 9th, afternoon tilt at the AAC, the Stanley Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights come to town. It's an afternoon game, so you can go out that night, enjoy yourself, hopefully enjoy a a nice Canadian frosty Jordan as you're checking out the Dallas scene after a star's big victory because you can sleep in the next day because it's Sunday night football. Uh, It's Cowboys-Eagles. Ooh, that's that, a good, uh, that, I mean, that seeing, is a good one too. Seeing right Vegas there. and then seeing Eagles. So those are my two suggestions. I did see this question prior to the podcast, so I did a little prep on that. And um, I actually sent Jordan a direct message, and uh, he said, well, I was actually looking for things to do in the Dallas-Fort area, Fort Worth area. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he has Busher Gardens up there, but the Dallas Arboretum and the Fort Worth Botanical Garden are two of the nicest, nicest Arboretums Botanical Gardens in America. Um, I know Dallas Arboretum always ranks in the top 15 in the world. And uh, another thing I would suggest that is kind of a, a hidden gem, You can, if you're a Cowboys fan, you can go to... Uh, tours of the star in Frisco, take you through the locker room, take you through the history. They have really cool artwork, pictures. You could see the first ever Cowboys logo. Uh, they show you the calf, just the inner workings of the Dallas Cowboys. And then down the street, there's the National Video Game Museum that takes you through the history of all video games. It's really cool. So those are my suggestions. Tour guide. The vid- the, yeah. The video game museum is cool. I've been there a couple of nice. times. And uh, it's uh, they've got the stuff you can play, like, um a couple years back one time when i was we were down there my parents were visiting and ended up randomly playing oregon trail for like 45 minutes so no it's a it's a yeah it's 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 a it's a a pretty cool place yeah absolutely all right tyler Mayer uh says i understand his cap hit slash base salary probably scares teams off in a flat cap world but shouldn't radic foxa be a premier quote trade high candidate right now his style doesn't fit DeBoer's system, and shedding him adds cap flexibility and a roster spot for a young player. I will say this about Radic Fox. He played well at times, um, and I gave him credit, um, especially played well in some playoff games. Uh, he does play a lot. Uh, he he does stay on the ice, which is good. Um, I, I just think Radic Fox was a really solid player and then got a, a contract, and I'm never going to fault a player for getting the money. But that salary does stick out, Sean. 
Well, it, it's it sticks out, and it's the it's the COVID implication. It's the cap COVID implication. Radic Fox's career and narrative isn't like this. If the cap had raised like expected, if it had raised as expected and everything like that, this would have been he would have been at market rate and. It's kind of the unfortunate timing of that. And it's the same reason that you're seeing that we saw the, the reason Radic Foxa is not a frontline trade candidate is the same reason that Sam Steele was available um, or the same reason that you saw other players move who were essentially unqualified, who were restricted free agents with qualifying offers or who had pretty good arbitration cases potentially. Um, a uh, that is that is why it is just the nature of the environment where Radic Fox assigned a deal that probably would have been at market rate and the market broke by stuff completely out of his control and it's hard to see a team willing to invest the the cap space for for that type of player right now and that's the I think the stars, I believe the stars probably will and will try and definitely be looking at things on Fox. I think that's definitely within the realm of possibility. It's just, it's, it's, it's the flat cap world where it's, it's hard to justify that price point when at the same time, the stars are paying Matt Duchesne less money for. Yeah. So great point. Uh, Corey, I did want to shout you out. Thanks so much for listening. Corey D tweets. He did ask the Tony D'Angelo question that he is available. And, uh, we just touched on that Corey that I, I think it's a stay away from a star standpoint. Um, let's see. And he's an offensive defenseman. Like you, Sean, you pointed on that. I think the stars, you know, quite honestly are fine with the offensive defenseman that they already have. Uh, Belfour's yeah. billions. This defense core took the Stars to a top 10 finish. Seems like it can take them to the trade deadline. Then the Stars can assess options. Does Nil have the gumption to trade top picks and top prospects for a top defenseman? He's historically not been willing to take big swings. Uh, I mean, I disagree that he hasn't been historic, that he historically has not been willing yeah, to I take disagree big swings. Too. I, I, I definitely disagree with that. Um, the, I mean, the entire stars, Jim Nilla is always highly valued first round picks and everything like that. But I mean, it's, it's, it's funny. Like people talk about being willing to take big swings and they conveniently talk about the swings, the, the pitches that he didn't swing at when, and not bringing up the ones he did. I mean, Joe Pavelski, the 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 term, the initial term, when they signed Joe Pavelski, how many of us looked at it and were like, "Man, I don't know if that's, I don't know how, I don't know how well that contract's going to age." Like yes. that was a swing, that was a swing there. Well, especially um, since we were coming off the Alexander Radulov deal, yeah, which the first yeah, so, season and a half, two seasons looked really good and then faded. Yeah, so there, there's there, there's that. That's a swing to. Um, to get like you look through the the lineup right to go and make the i mean 
signing Ryan, whether you like it or not, like signing Ryan Suter to a four-year deal was a big swing. It may not be the swing you wanted, but it was a big swing. Um, it was bringing in uh, kind of getting like, honestly, getting Rope Hints is deal done mid-season last year. That's a big swing. Yep. And it's one that will fly under the radar because they got it done before he popped off again in the playoffs and saved a ton of money. So I, I disagree that Jim Nill doesn't take big swings. I think there are Jim Nill's not problem problems, the wrong word, but I think there's, he also is very loyal and he doesn't want to build his team the way Vegas is built. He doesn't want to build his team where he's willing to, he wants he it's important to him his reputation of treating players well when they're here is important to him. And I think sometimes that gets in the way of certain moves people want to see. But I, I, I disagree about the lack of a big swing. But I, that being said, I easily could see the stars um looking at the deadline, at the trade deadline. Because this this team, this team is good at this defensive core is definitely good enough to get to the deadline. And with a couple steps here and there, we talked, we had an entire show about it. They, it could be good enough to win a whole thing. It could be, I'm not certain in that, but still a lot of question marks, but it could be. And so I would highly, I, I would highly expect Dallas to be looking to shop for a defender at the, at the, at the yeah. trade deadline, because I think that is the, frankly, that's the thing they kind of have to be looking at. So. Yeah. Yeah, especially with their cap uh, condition. I would also throw some swings in there. And I would also, I think what happens sometimes is we change the vocabulary. We call it a big swing when we should actually say a swing at a at a marquee name player. Because, and I say that because giving your first round draft pick away from Nil, for Nils Lundqvist, that to me is a big swing. I yeah, mean, it is. that's major currency you're giving up for... At the time, a New York Rangers top prospect. You were betting on Nils Lundqvist, and hopefully we see that this year. So I would say that's a swing. I also want to point out, when the trade deadline happened, Max Domi was, I would say, probably top seven names mentioned as far as trade pieces. Top five. I, I, you know, I mean, there were some big names out there and everything, but Max Domi was certainly in the conversation with a lot of teams. And for the stars to acquire him, I, you know, I think that was, you know, that was a swing as well. They got what they needed at the trade deadline. And also remember, when you're taking a big swing, you need to give up stuff. And to get Max Doney, to get the Donoff, and to keep all your prospects, I think that's a good offseason. To sign Joe Pavelski, yes. You know the suitor thing we we struggle with, but yeah, to get these names, you're you're absolutely right. I I agree. He has taken some big swings. Okay, uh, Fuzzy wants some uh, hockey into his uh, veins. By the way, Fuzzy on Twitter is looking svelte, working out all the time. Love the follow. Who do you guys think has the most dangerous shot on this team? Who has the sneakiest shot? And who do you want in a shootout lineup? Ooh, three part question. So most dangerous shot, Sean. Let's yeah. start with that. Yeah. Um from a pure shot standpoint. Um I mean it's probably Jason Robertson. Jason Robertson. I mean, that may yep. be the Good I would answer. I would it's hard to be um 
it's hard to not go with Jason Robertson on that. Um, the sneakiest shot, I'm going to say Rope Hints. Yeah, he's got a quick little release there. Mm-hmm. That's that's. I mean, it's more it's more sneaky in, in the picking it up off of that. Yes. Um, but it's also like if you wanted to be done pure quote unquote sneakiness, I think you you you'd be you should you got to give a. Uh, uh, you got to give Joe Pavelski some for the tips. love for, for his work around the net yeah. and, um, and, and all of that. So it's, I think, uh, I think that kind of fits there. Um, the, yeah. And then, so what was, uh, and then the other so one was the shootout, shootout lineup. I want, um, hold on. Let me, let me, let me, let me make, let me think for Let's pause for a second. I want make mine in my head. Anti Mietinen. <laughs> I cannot think of the other guy's name that was so good in the shootout in Stars history. Sergey oh, Zuboff uh, was amazing. Sergey Zuboff yeah, but... was a Gatorade lifter back when, you know, the Gatorade was on top of the net and not in that uh, little sleeve <laughs> like it is now. I mean, you would see that Gatorade bottle be lifted off the net. He could roof it that well. Yeah, it was uh who was it? Um I know exactly what it is. I know um He was Finnish, I, wasn't he? It's, no Swedish. He was either Swedish or Finnish. But he was so good was in the Swed- shootout. He was Swedish. Um it was literally the because I know the the move it was a move he literally picked up talking to he would he would talk to Johan Hedberg about it. I'm like I can remember this stuff. It was uh Ooh, why can I know this is, this is bothering me? <laughs> we got right a whole now. podcast that uh, we can get back to it, but I would say my, oh, line, know, yeah. my lineup's Robertson, Hints, Sagan. Yeah, I would. Uh, I like I like Robertson. I would I like Robertson one because I think he's their best player in the shootout right now, and. I'm personally a big fan of it was Jokinen. You see, yes, that's it. Good call. Yep. Yeah. You see, Jokinen. Um, anyhow, uh, I like Robertson first in the shootout because I want, um, I want, I want to, I like to personally go first in as a team. I like to go, I like to shoot first. I think there's more pressure. I think I'd rather have my goalie face the second shot. I think goalies are more, you are more comfortable with the game on the line situation. So um, I would like Robertson first. Um, I think there's, I, I really like hints going. And then for right now, Sagan's probably three for me. Um, that's uh, I don't like across the, like there's a bunch of other, there's other ones that I think could be intriguing, but those would be my, my first three would be, Robertson hints Sagan. I think you're on, 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 we're on the same mindset for that one, I think. Okay, we're in the middle of a spits and suds. And by the way, if you had on your bingo card, UC Jokinen and the Butte Cobras, you win the power. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Jordan chimes in again. Can we talk about some prospects you have a chance to get called up during the season? Bach is one player. Keep my eye on, for example. I'll keep beating the drum on. Uh, Oh my God. I always get his name wrong. Uh, Demiami. Um, right, think, right. Riley Damiani. Damiani. But I think I'm alone there. Um, 
I mean, I don't have an issue with Damiani. I think he's a, I think he's just a, he's a, he's in kind of a middle of the lineup AHL player right now. Like that's, he didn't really have much of a, let's see how many games did he play for, he played, he had about 30 points last year for Texas and was okay. But to me, I don't see the, the mass appeal to go and bring him up and play in the NHL. I'm more of looking at a guy like Blumel. To me, Blumel's there. Um, uh, probably give Frederick Carlstrom a chance. Probably, um, I think Nick Nick. I don't. I don't think he's a a guy who can play in the NHL beyond the occasional call up and Nick Camano could still be a fourth line guy that gets called up. But to me, this Dallas lineup really is all the NHL forwards you see right now. And then Bork and Stankoven, like that's your four, that's yeah. your 14, 15 deep right now. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't, I think if I, one of your nothing, guns goes down, I yeah. think Maverick Bork comes up first. Yeah, yeah, and I've never seen anything about Oscar Bach's game that tells me nothing against Oscar Bach. Just I've never seen anything about Oscar Bach's game where it's like he's shown this to me in Texas where I need this on my NHL team. Like for on like on the, on the counter, right? Where I think Bach will play the same game no matter what league he's at, and I think we kind of see what it is. Where on the flip side, Bork to me is a guy who at forty-seven, almost fifty points last year for Texas. I think he's actually a higher scoring player in the NHL because I think he will play off better players better than, than he was playing with in Texas. So, um, I mean, it's like, if you want to go, it's, this is where prospect stuff gets difficult because it's the base level of player is so good now where the guy who's playing in the AHL, if he had a time machine and he went back five years, he's probably playing in the NHL. But just what the base level of how good and how skilled players are, um, like it's it, it it's what makes Connor Bedard like if Connor Bedard did things to junior hockey this year that Connor McDavid didn't do because Connor Bedard because the rest of the world that he had to compete against is better. That's yep. not saying McDavid, and so it's just the the base level of skill is so good now that. Of course, you're going to look at a guy like Bach. You're going to look at a guy like Carlstrom. You're going to look at even all of them can play. It's just so much of who's going to get the opportunity, who's going to get the chance. And I think as this base level of skill gets higher and higher in the league, where you get drafted is going to be even more and more of a definer of whether you get that opportunity to prove it. Because there'll be lots of guys, I think, who there are lots of players who, if they were just in the right spot, like the well, the biggest difference between Luke Lindenning and Curtis McKenzie is Luke Lindenning got the chance to stick at the NHL right away. I, I fully believe Luke Lindenning and Curtis McKenzie are very much the same player, but one of them got the chance in the NHL earlier that stuck. So, so and Jared Katz asks about uh, defensemen, uh, some of the defensemen we've already talked about, but just for the record, Sean, um, UFA class was not strong with defensemen no, that would no, really really help the Stars. And there were some defensemen that were overpaid probably because there weren't a lot of D-men on the market. And the uh, other aspect is is uh, there's just, 
yeah, there's no one out there, and there's no one really ready in the minors that can come up and make a difference. So I think to answer your question, Jared, on D-men, uh, I think it needs to be addressed at the trade deadline. So do as best you can, and we'll see, you know, how how the top six uh, uh, fare. So, you know, finally we end. Tyler Sagan, you know, now a married man, <laughs> and the question is, did Sean Shapiro's goals against average and save percentage go up or down when he got married? And I say that because will we see a bigger year from Tyler Sagan? <laughs> oh. uh, well, I was young when I got married, so I was still uh, my body was still well. My body was still re- was still recovered better from okay. from the uh, from the post game uh, from the post game beverages at the time. So um, I. <laughs> It is, it is, it, it is, it, it's, I'm laughing and it's joking, but it's also, um, there is, uh, there is something to remember about the human element of this sport, yes. right? Where there is, there is a human element of the sport where it's a, uh, when things are going well at home and things like that, like it's a lot easier to show up and have a good day at work. Absolutely. And, uh, so I don't know if, uh, if there's a, <laughs> Uh, up and up performance in play for Tyler Tyler Sagan because of the wedding, but yeah. uh, it's uh, going into going into the season happy. So that's that's yeah. there there that's there's a I I also it's always funny to me too with uh, I think it's it's kind of because you see the uh, some players obviously Tyler has always understood he's a he's always understood his brand power so. The uh, the Sagan wedding was well publicized uh, on Instagram and Twitter and all of that stuff because uh, he's always understood his uh, brand power. So, but it is interesting to see when the pictures do come out of which uh, which teammates guys were closer with than you ever realized. Oh yeah, like for, yeah. Like, you know, like what? I didn't look at that. Like for example, like um, the uh, oh there we go. And okay. I and I and, and I and I and I and I knew this, but it's like it's something where it's like. When you think of the players of all the players Tyler Sagan has played with and everything like that, if you didn't know the behind the scenes friendship like I did, you probably wouldn't have expected to see Justin Dowling with an invite to Tyler Sagan's wedding, mm. right? Like, like there's like there's that or a uh, or that and uh, maybe like like Adam Cracknell was there too. So it's it's always interesting to see the uh, yeah, kind of see the which guys and 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 which players are kind of the uh like i would imagine like a lot of the younger stars players like when like jake ottinger gets married someday and stuff like that like we're gonna see a lot of joel hanley in pictures at weddings because joel hanley is just like the <laughs> the beloved like like he, he's the beloved everyone's everyone's best friend and uh heck yeah so it's so yeah absolutely and by the way looking at tyler sagan's instagram um you know, he had posted pictures from John Klingberg's wedding. So obviously they were close and Jamie Ben's there. Obviously the Finn contingent, Heskinen's there, Hintz is there. So uh, Ben Bishop was there. So, you know, it it is, you're right. It is fun looking at those and saying, you know, kind of reading into it like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Didn't know they yeah. were, didn't know they were buddies. Yeah. Well, congratulations to Tyler Sagan, you know, on so many things. Um, it's really interesting. As Sean alludes to, I grew up in the Boston area and every time I, I go home. They're still complaining about Tyler Sagan. If only he was mature enough when he was with us. 
And I'm like, you know, guys realize it was a salary cap dump. It was not, you know, if you want to say that had to do with it, I'm sure go ahead. And, and, you know, Sagan certainly had his party days up there, but the fact remains is they did a documentary behind the bees, which was on NHL network and they showed the war room and they talked about having to get rid of salary. And I think it was to sign David Krejci and Tyler Sagan came up. So that's when they made the trade. So, and you know what? He's well, been, he's been great. Well, and they also, I mean, it's, it's Boston. The, it's Boston and it's not, <laughs> and there's, there's elements of, it's one of the, one of the reasons players love playing in Dallas. And we've talked about it is there is the, there is a bit of the, you are not, the Cowboys are here to be your battering ram, right? The Cowboys are yeah. here to, 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 to kind of shield you as other pro athletes. And that's, so it's 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 easier to be incognito in Dallas, and that's just the reality of it. So. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. All right, the book is called We Win Here. Some great summer reading. Sean takes a deep dive into stories from the Texas Stars and how they became Dallas Stars. And and uh, it's a good read. It's get really good reviews on Amazon. So pick up a, a copy and support Sean. He's also on EP Rinkside and Shap Shots, and he's still coming out with articles even though it's summer and in D Magazine. So he's a beast, and we'll continue to bring these programs throughout the summer because we want to thank you for making us uh, Dallas-Fort Worth's number one hockey podcast and cannot wait for the year to start because we're going to have lots of programming for you in the months ahead. So a months ahead. So that's going to do it for us. Sean, my man, get back out there and enjoy the wife and kids. Will do. Everyone, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Spits and Suds. Have a great day, everyone.